Welcome to Keydeck Connect. My name is Andrew Deal, Senior Vice President, and today I'm, I'm lucky to have head wrestling coach uh, Jim Gibson uh, with us today. Um, even wearing my VMI wrestling sweatshirt for you. Uh, coach, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Uh, hope you had a Merry Christmas and uh, you've got the team back here. So uh, you got the season starting next Saturday. Are you excited? Yes. Yeah, well, first off, thanks, Andrew, for, for doing this and taking time out of, out of your week and your day. I know time's a valuable thing. Thing. So it means a lot. I think the chance we get to get in front of, um, you know, some people and talk about BMI wrestling is a great thing. So, you know, thanks for that. And yeah, it was good. We had a good, um, good Christmas. My family and I, we just kind of hung around Lexington and, uh, you know, eager to get the, these guys back here. We brought them back a few days ago. Uh, give us about a week to get prepared for Sunday, um, our first competition. And, you know, these guys have been training full time and have been full go since, you know, early September um, without any competition. So that's, you know, a new piece of the puzzle that we're trying to navigate. So I know they're really eager to be able to kind of step out and lace the shoes up and lay it on the line with, um, you know, some other folks. So it's, uh, I think we're all excited. Good. Well, look, let's start by uh, kind of taking me down memory lane and, and reminiscing on your wrestling career and kind yeah. of, you know, talk to us a little bit how, how you developed your passion for wrestling and then take us through kind of your high school college career. Yeah, sure. So, my high school career, um, you know, went a little different than most. It was uh, very unique. Um, so I attended a private high school in Western Pennsylvania. And my junior year, um, the school decided to drop the wrestling team. And just the lack of numbers, whatever reason, they, they said, hey, we're not going to sponsor wrestling anymore. So it kind of forced me into making some decisions, you know, at a young age on, you know, what was important to me and what direction I wanted to go. And um, you know, if I would have went back to my public school, I don't think the academics were strong. Um, the wrestling program at the time there wasn't a, a strong program. So I kind of made the decision to, you know, stick it out there at the, at my current school. And what they did was they ended up, um, you know, sponsoring wrestling, but just for me, they said, Hey, if you want to continue to wrestle, we'll let you do this on your own, but you're going to kind of have to navigate it and figure it out. But you're allowed to wrestle kind of under our school name, school banner. So I ended up going that route and, and I did that for two years and ended up obviously having a successful high school wrestling career and, you know, got me into a position to attend a division one school up in Northwest Pennsylvania, Edinburgh University, who at the time was, you know, a pretty strong program. Um, we, we ended up finishing eighth and ninth in the country my junior year, uh, junior and senior year at Edinburgh. So it was a, a great experience to be a part of a program at such a high level and, you know, really great coaches. Uh, Bruce Baumgartner, who was a four-time Olympian, multiple-time world um, champion um, for the U.S., was actually our athletic director at Edinburgh. So, I mean, wrestling was kind of cemented in there as, as a part of the program and the athletic department as a whole. So it was a great experience. And, you know, I think my, the, my experience in the high school with the, the team kind of forced me to mature um, a little bit sooner than most people, right, because I didn't have another teammates or other people to kind of push and and develop with, you know, I had to do a lot of that stuff by myself after hours, before hours, you know, so it was, it was a great um, kind of tool to get me prepared for college, right? Because so much of this sport, you know, it's a lifestyle sport and just what you do from, you know, four to six 30 in the afternoon, you know, has just kind of a small piece of the success you have, you know, you have to be able to live that lifestyle, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, what kind of food you're putting in your body, are you getting enough rest, are you hanging around the right people, you know, all that stuff comes into play when you're talking about wrestling. What, um, 
what drove you to get into the uh, coaching profession? And is there one person that kind of uh, that you've looked up to as a as a mentor in the coaching pro profession? I mean, when you're talking about um, you know kind of initially wanting to do it, it's you know something to where you know, I think it's just been ingrained in me, right? Like so many other coaches, you've been doing this for so long and have such a love and passion for it that, um, you know, if you have an opportunity to make a career out of it, then, you know, obviously we're, we're full, full force into it. And, and I think from, you know, you got to talk about my dad, right? I mean, my dad was in there from the time I was five and six years old, kind of introducing me to the sport and, and kind of guiding me along the way. And then once I get into my college career and college coaching career I've been around some great people so I, I just think you know every head coach I've been around has you know left me with a little piece of something that I still use to this day and obviously kind of implement some of my own things but still I think you're learning constantly as, as a coach and trying to evaluate and, and improve and and kind of take that next step in, in a career and you know I think something that's really cool about this sport in particular when you're talking about kind of a motivation to to coach is that I don't believe there's much out there that can prepare guys like wrestling, right? I truly believe that just the amount of adversity that you have to go through on a day-to-day -day basis, um, kind of that emotional roller coaster, so to speak, um, when guys hit a point later on in life, when they come to a moment that's really tough for them, right? Whether they're a, you know, a husband, a father, they have a boss and a job, um, they're going to come to that moment. They're going to go, holy cow, this is really tough, right? How am I going to get through this? And I think because of the sport of wrestling, they're going to have something to fall back onto. And say, hey, I did it then. I, I persevered through a tough moment back then in, in my wrestling career. And, you know, I have the tools and the ability to do it now. So I think just kind of preparing guys for, you know, life after college, life after wrestling is, is definitely a motivating factor for me. And then, you know, another piece to the puzzle, I guess, for me is too, right? You know, you have as an athlete, you have goals, right? To, you know, achieve this, accomplish this. And, very few people, I think, ultimately reach their, all of their goals, right? And, and I know what that feels like, you know, in my own career to, to invest so much time and effort into something and maybe fall a little bit short. So, if, you know, if I can kind of stop one person from ever having to feel like that, you know, then I think I've done my job. So that's definitely something that drives me, you know, on a daily basis to just prepare these guys to help them achieve their goals so that, you know, when they're my age or older, they can look back and, you know, be happy with, you know, how their career went, whether they achieved their goals or not. Well, I think you spent six years at, at Bucknell as an assistant coach, and, and Dr. Dials uh, has given you your first opportunity to, to lead a program, and, yeah. and that program's BMI. What, what does that opportunity mean to you? I mean, uh, the, first off, it's just, you know, being about, you being part of something, you know, kind of greater than yourself, right? I mean, BMI has this reputation for what it produces for you know, young men and women and what they go on to do and, and all these different roles and to be a small portion of that is, you know, really exciting, right? Just because I like kind of what I talked about before about just preparing everyone for that next step. And this place, I think, does it better than most, if not all, you know, so it's, uh, it's exciting to be a part of that. And, you know, and then the other thing is, you know, the tradition, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but there's a strong and long wrestling tradition here. I mean, I think they've had wrestling here since the 1920s. You know, there's been over a hundred and some Southern Conference champs, multiple All-Americans. So to, to have, you know, someone to put the faith in me to lead such a storied program is, is exciting. You know, and I a funny story, just a couple months ago, I got a, I think it was on social media, someone had reached out to me with a box score, like a wrestling box score from 1956. And it was VMI against Auburn. 
and it was the first ever box score published by one of the leading amateur wrestling news organizations in the country. And they kind of shared me the, the photo and the box score. It was really cool. I think BMI had beat them like 13 to 11 or something like that. And that was in 1996. Wow. So really cool. A lot of history here. And like I said, that's, that's a very humbling you know, thing to be able to take over something with that much history. You know, BMI is a unique place. And, uh, you know, so what was your first reaction uh, to BMI <laughs> once you get settled in here in the job? Uh, yeah. You know, the, the first thing is, um, in all of my wrestling time, I had never been here before. So when my first time, you know, stepping foot on post, it's, I think, you know, pleasantly surprising, right? I think all the pictures, the videos, all the, all the homework you can do on it, you know, it, it really doesn't necessarily do a lot of justice until you finally step foot here. So my first impression, just by coming here, I was kind of like, wow, this place is really incredible. You know, the facilities are great. And um, just the the setting of where we're at, you know, really fit with me. So I, I think that was something at first I was like, man, this, this place is great. You know, who wouldn't want to be here, right? Right. And, um, you know, and then once you're finally settled in and, uh, you know, kind of going through the, the process of getting, getting started, it's just, um, you know, there's a lot going on. I think on a daily basis, these guys in particular, the cadet athletes are pulled in a lot of different directions. So I think that was kind of the biggest hurdle for me at, at, at the start was just trying to navigate on a daily basis everything that these guys had to do, you know, and, and trying to figure out and build a plan to be successful and, you know, let them still, you know, take part in everything to the best of their ability that they, they're, they're here to do, right? Because these guys have obviously goals, career goals, they have, you know, military goals, whether, you know, they're commissioning or not. And then they have athletic goals, academic goals, so I think, um, you know, I'm a big believer in that they can do it all and they can do it all here. Um, but it takes a special person and someone that's committed and willing to kind of sacrifice and surrender, you know, the things that might not be as important um, for them to, to be able to fully engage into all the aspects that BMI has to offer on a daily basis. Uh, how would you describe your coaching strategy? Yeah, so I'm going to go back to that word I like to use a lot, adversity. Um, you know, and I try to put these guys on a daily basis into situations that are going to challenge them and put them in a moment of adversity, you know, whether it be physically or mentally. And I think that's kind of what our sport comes down to, because when you're out there for seven minutes in a wrestling match, which doesn't seem like a lot of time um, by, you know, minute three, minute four, minute five, you're usually breathing pretty dang heavy. Your arms are heavy. You're tired. You might be a little bloody, whatever the case is, right? but you still have to perform, you know, you still have to get the job done and basically be in a, in a mode of complete exhaustion. Right. So I think that's what we try to do is to put them in situations every day to where mentally they feel like they might not be able to do it, but then force them to still take the next step and get it done. And then physically the same thing, you know, make them in a point of, of exhaustion and then, you know, make them go wrestle a match or whatever the case is, or, or do some drills or some execution you know, so to, so that they're mentally prepared and know what that feels like. So when that time comes in a comp in competition and in a match, it's like second nature to them, right? You can't, um, I'm a big believer and you can't just flip a switch. You know, you can't train one way and then expect to go compete another. You have to, you have to train the same way on a daily basis that you want to step out on the mat and compete. You know, you were pretty humble when you started talking about your, your college career, you, you talked about the team, but you didn't really mention your individual success that you had and uh, you were an NCAA qualifier. So yeah. 
how, how does that success that you have transition into you as a coach? Sure. I mean, I think you just kind of know what it takes to go through it. Right. You know, I know what I did or maybe what I did and what I, maybe what I didn't do, you know what I mean? And make some adjustments according to it and just try to advise these guys, you know, into making the right decisions, you know, is their training. Um, and I think, you know, some of that is, you know, I advise them, but, you know, I guess when it comes down to it, I'm not in the arm twisting business either, right? Like, I mean, that's where I think as a team right now, we're in a really good spot, which we can maybe touch on later. But, you know, I want guys to make the decisions for themselves. You know, I can give them the direction and, and the guidance and, and the structure and put it in place for them. But ultimately, for them to be as successful as possible, you know, they have to make that commitment decision themselves can't do it because some coach is twisting their arm and pushing them into it, you know, because then it means more, right? If I'm like, Hey, you guys got to come in and do some extra work, you know, outside of practice, or you guys got to treat practice this way. If I'm the one always pushing them to do that, then they're just like, Hey, some coach is just, you know, yelling at me and screaming at me or, or doing whatever to, to get me to through this. But when guys actually make that commitment themselves and say, Hey, I'm doing this because I want to do it then that's when they can really see major gains and development, you know, cause it's coming from them. Right. Um, talk to me a little bit, how your experience has been recruiting kids to come to PMI. Yeah, it's been great. You know, I mean, we have, I have two classes under my belt right now. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think between the two, you know, we've brought in a little over 30 guys, like 30 to mid thirties range of guys over two years. Um, which has been great. And I think we have, you know, our retention out of those two classes has been excellent. Um, so, I mean, it's exciting to see. I mean, I think eight of our 10 starters this year are going to be underclassmen, you know, which is, a, which is a good thing because that just means, you know, brighter times here in a couple right. of years, you know, but these guys are competing well already. Um, so it's, it's, it's cool. It's exciting to see that. And, you know, I think guys like I, like I kind of talked about how my my first impression of BMI was when I stepped on on post. I think a lot of recruits have that same sort of thought, right? They hear all these great things and you know maybe some of the challenges that you know they're gonna face at BMI. But when they finally get here and they take a look around, they're like, "Wow, this place is impressive!" And I think they're pleasantly surprised about it. So I think that's one of the first things I noticed was, you know, it's so important for us to get guys here. Um, and have them see it and kind of feel it for themselves rather than it is just talking to them on the phone and sending them correspondence and, and doing kind of the, you know, recruiting pitch on the front end. But as soon as they get here, I, our odds, you know, and our percentage of land and recruits goes, goes up significantly. How does the success of a Neil Richards, you know, the, the success that he had at BMI uh, being named an all American, which I believe he was uh, only the third wrestler ever in BMI history to do that. How does that help recruiting? Significantly, you know, it just shows that, you know, it can be done here, right? Because ultimately you want to attract, you know, recruits and prospects with high goals, you know, and, and guys that are already being recruited by a lot of different places. Some of the best guys in the country, you know, are, are looking at places to where that they can go and achieve their goals athletically and become all Americans or a national champ. And by him being able to do that just shows it gives us one more tool to say, Hey, you know, you can do this here. You can come here, you can get an outstanding education. Um, you can be a part of a system that's going to prepare you for life after wrestling life after college, and you can come here and be an all American. Um, so when, when we're able to sit in front of uh, a young man or his parents and, and just add that one more piece of, puzzle 
you know, makes a big difference. Let's talk about kind of some of the behind the scenes stuff before we get into the, the individuals and, and the sure. team itself. But um, you look at the facility, I think it's top, top shelf uh, facility. Uh, you've got two assistant coaches and now a volunteer. Yeah. Um, and you've also seen a, a scholarship budget that, you know, I think when you took over in March of 18, that, that season had just completed, the budget was 200,000. Yeah. And you've got a budget of 300,000 for the yeah. current year we're in now. Yeah. Talk about how all of those things have helped uh, lead to, you know, growing the success of a program. Sure. I mean, just, um, you know, to start off, just from a scholarship perspective and recruiting thing, I mean, that's the, you know, the, the lifeblood of, I think, any college athletics program, right, is the ability to recruit well and get the right people at your program that are going to help make an impact. And, you know, for us, with that, um, you know, extra funds, it just widens our recruiting ability, right, to to go out and, and recruit some guys that are out of state and just gives us a, a broader range to, to recruit with. I mean, I'm from Pennsylvania. I grew up there. I coached there my entire college career um, until I came down here. So my ties and roots are, you know, deep in one of, one of if not the best wrestling state in the country. Um, so, you know, you look at your, your national tournament every year, and there's 330 guys at the national tournament every year. And the largest percentage of those guys um, come from Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania has the highest percentage of high school wrestlers at the national tournament every single year. So just from a, a pure statistics and numbers aspect, if, if you have a guy from Pennsylvania, you have a higher percentage, higher chance of putting them at the national tournament just based on numbers. And, and those guys are prepared and ready to go. And I'm not saying that Pennsylvania is the end-all, be-all of recruiting. It just happens to be where, you know, my strong – you know, strong connections are. So we try to spend a lot of time up there. Um, and those, those extra scholarship funds and dollars give us the ability to do that. How big of a help is it to have two assistant coaches and, and a volunteer? Yeah, it's, it's huge. You By know. the way, for the folks that don't know, that hasn't always been, been the case. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's, it's huge. Wrestling is one of those sports where, um, you know, our coaches on a day-to-day -day basis are wrestling with the guys. They go through, I would say, 85 to 90% of our practice. Um, so to, to have, you know, two guys on staff that can mix it up with these guys every single day is, is huge for their development, right? Because you're trying to, especially with young guys, you're trying to teach them how to drill, how to compete with each other in practice, you know, all these different things. And when they have someone that they can go kind of hands-on with on a day-to-day -day basis that has that experience. I mean, it just makes the development process so much quicker because um, it's, it's one thing if they're drilling and wrestling live with another teammate that, you know, we're still trying to learn as well compared to if they're grabbing, you know, one of my assistant coaches or sometimes even me, you know, and getting in there with them and teaching them kind of hands-on. So, I mean, it's, it's huge. It, it makes it um, so much better. Because, it, you know, for me, a lot of times, you know, I'm the one kind of behind the scenes running practice with the whistle, you know, yelling out the drills and, and all of that. So it's great to have two, two guys out there, you know, with them with shoes on and, and you know, personally kind of develop, developing them, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. And then what a, a lot of what we do, too, you know, happens outside of practice. You know, I think in practice when you're talking about 36 guys on a roster and all of them are in there, you know, we're going through just general areas of the sport on a day-to-day -day basis that we think are really important that everyone needs to know. But then you're going to have guys that range from a lot of different skill sets that might need work in a lot of different areas. 
So it makes it really convenient to, for three of us to be able to go down there. And maybe I have a, two groups of two and my other coaches have a small group and they have a small group and we're able to kind of individually focus on some needs of guys. I mean, it makes a big difference. What do you like most about your, your group this year? Um, you know, I think uh, just their attitude. You know, I talk to them a lot about um, controlling the areas of the sport, which they can control, you know, their effort, their attitude, and kind of their fight and toughness go along together. And just, I think, um, in general, just their attitude. I just ask them to be positive, you know. I'm not saying you have to be this happy-go-lucky, cheery guy every day when you're coming and, and you know, when you're getting ready to go through a hard practice, but just not being negative about what we're doing and, and just kind of trying to help out each other through it and just be positive about the process. And I think we have that, you know, and that's a big, that's a big step, a huge important step because sometimes, right. I mean, you know how it is going through BMI. It can be a challenge on a day-to-day basis and, you know, it, but it's, um, it's important for them to come down here and use this couple hours that we have to get themselves better and kind of leave all that behind them for, for a little bit and, and be excited about what we're doing. So just that attitude has been has been really really great with this group. How has COVID affected wrestling? And sure. and and one of those, you know, just by you know looking at the schedule, it, it looks like the Southern Conference you're having two matches in the same day. Yeah. Um, how how difficult is that? And what do you have to do to adapt to a, a schedule sure. like that? You know, I think um, the first thing is the the schedule was shr- um, you know shrunk significantly. You know, we're usually starting in November, um, but they kind of delayed everything and, and pushed things back just from a preparation process, right? Um, you know, may, maybe a little bit of a, you know, financial, um, you know, thing for, for a lot of programs too, to, to let them balance that and kind of take, take some of that pressure off a lot of places. Um, so, I mean, that was kind of the start of it. And then, you know, from a scheduling aspect, I think it's been, it's been okay. You know, these, these try meets that we're doing for the conference, um, I think help us a little bit. I, I believe that anyway. I think a couple times over the last few years, we had did that anyway, because ultimately, you know, at the end of the year, at the conference tournament, at the national tournament, your guys have to be prepared to wrestle two, three, four matches in a day anyway. Um, so by doing this, I think it just gives them almost like a miniature, you know, tournament setting. And, you know, multiple times without actually having to go and do any individual tournaments that they're not doing this year. So I think from that aspect, it's, it's a good, it's a good thing for us. So I was looking at your roster this morning and I think there, you know, if it's updated, there are 15 freshmen on the roster. I went back and looked at the results from the scrimmage Yeah. Uh, in, in the winners. You had one of these matches and, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but one senior, one junior, six sophomores and two freshmen. Yeah. So, you know, eight of the 10 are are underclassmen. Um, And and of the six sophomores, I think they wrestled in 148 matches last year as freshmen. So they've got a lot of experience. How important was that? Yeah, it is. I mean, those are, those are the guys that sophomore group in particular, you know, they're the ones that have stepped up a lot for us, you know, throughout this whole process of this training, right. Just from a leadership perspective, you know, I don't necessarily name team captains on a year to year basis, just because I believe, Hey, anyone can step up at any time and be a leader for our program. Um, so I kind of put that on them and to kind of see who emerges, you know, as a leader of the team and that group, that sophomore group has done exceptionally well. And I think their experience and knowing what it's like to go through a full division one wrestling season 
you know, helps them. You know, like you said, they have they have a lot of experience and a lot of they got a lot of matches under their belt last year. We had a we had a pretty full schedule. I mean, I packed it full of um, you know, events and tried to get them as many matches as possible just because I knew that we were young. And, you know, I think from a record perspective, you know, they took, you know, they went through some bumpy roads, right? Because we wrestled some tough teams and, you know, they took some some lumps. But I think just in the end, that's going to serve them a lot better. I mean, compared to, you know, getting 30 to 35 matches as a freshman compared to 20 or 25 is might not seem like a lot. But in our sport, that's a big deal. Coach, I was, I was friends with some wrestlers during my time at VMI. And so I know, you know, the in-season uh, diet can be tough on them as far as, you know, what they're able to eat and how sure. much, how important, you know, keeping their, their weight is. Yeah. Um, and, and I noticed that it looks like maybe four of the guys have, have moved weight classes. Uh, yeah. It looks like Conway has moved down to, to 125 and yep. uh, Zach Brown's moved, uh, yep. Diaz, Fillers. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about kind of your strategy behind all of that. Sure. Um, the biggest thing is, you know, lifestyle, right? I'm not so big on saying, hey, this is what weight you need to be at. This is where you're going to be most successful. I mean, it comes down to their lifestyle and kind of, you know, changing their body, right? Wrestling is a unique sport and we have this whole piece of it with, you know, body composition and, and weight classes. Um, and I think, you know, the best guys at this level in our sport are guys that are lean and strong and feel good. You know what I mean? So, you know, I'll use Zach Brown for an example, because he did an incredible job over the spring and summer when he was home due to COVID. Um, you know, we, we talked a lot on the phone about, you know, what, what weight class was going to be his best spot. And I said, Zach, I said, don't worry about the weight class, right? You just need to focus on changing your body, right? You need to be lean and strong, and wherever that puts you, right, you know, then that's what weight class you are. Wherever you come back and you're lean and strong, then that's how we determine your weight class. We don't, you don't try to gain weight or lose weight to put yourself in a position. You change your body, make the right choices, live the right lifestyle, you know, and then that kind of helps guide what weight class you end up in. So that's kind of the, the philosophy that I've always had that I've tried to take with these guys. Um, because it, it times have changed, right? When I was wrestling 15 years ago, it's, you know, weight cutting was, was a big thing, right? But matches were, matches were a lot different as well. They were close, right? Guys were winning three to two, four to three, you know, now matches are still really close, but now guys are scoring a lot of points, right? Their guys are winning matches 14, 13, 11 to 10. Um, so you have to, you have to be in really good shape and feel really well. And your kind of diet and the lifestyle you live plays a plays a big part of that, if not the whole part, right? That's why you see sometimes that in wrestling, there might be teams that look like they're in better shape than the other teams. It's not necessarily because they're training any different or training any harder. It's just, they have their weight under control. They're putting the right food in their body and they live the right lifestyle away from the athletic arena. What are you looking to, what are you looking forward to the most for this upcoming season? just to compete <laughs> at this point, you know, it's, uh, we're, I don't know, we're how many days away here, like five days away from stepping on the mat. So that's, I mean, I'm just ready to, to lay it, get out there and let these guys lay it on the line, you know, and let them expose all the work that they've done. You know, I mean, that's as a competitor, you know, that's what you want to do. You just want the opportunity to go out there and compete, you know, and, and have confidence in your training, have confidence in your preparation and, you know, give your maximum effort. If you can do that, then, you know, wherever the chips fall, then you can be happy with it, you know, win or lose. 
Um, you know, we talk about that a lot. I said, I'm, I'm not worried so much about results. Um, I'm com- trust me, I'm competitive. I want to win. But uh, if we just focus on those, you know, areas, like I said before, that we can control, you're eventually going to win more than you lose just based off of that. And, you know, and then you start to add in development and, you know, skill development, all that, then you, you really see some, some great climbs, but um, yeah, I'm just ready to get out there. I'm just ready to sit in the corner again, get emotional, you know, and, and see these guys go out there and compete. You know, that's the fun part to me. I mean, we spend a lot of time together, right. With these guys and, you know, I sacrifice a lot, they sacrifice a lot and, and there's nothing better than, you know, going out there and, and competing together. I mean, that's what brings you together, right, is, is the ups and downs of competition. Well, Coach, before we, before we wrap this up, we're going to yeah. do a little fun uh, rapid-fire <laughs> right, session here, okay? Uh, what's your favorite meal? Pizza. Pizza. Uh, what's your favorite thing to do outside of coaching? Fish. If you weren't a coach, what would you be? <laughs> I'd probably be um, back at home working on my family's farm. <laughs> what, what's one of your bucket list items that you um, want to do? Yeah, I would love to go in a shark cage. All right. Outside of wrestling, what's your favorite sport? And within that sport, do you have a favorite team? Um, I don't really follow many other sports. Probably the only one that I follow closely is like MMA, like the UFC, just because I have a lot of buddies of mine that are doing it that I, that I personally wrestled with and just know a lot of the wrestlers that have moved into that. So I'd say I probably follow that pretty closely. Nice. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking some time with us today. And uh, we've got the first home match on January 9th, yep. uh, followed by a, a tri-meet on January 16th um, that will take place after the VMI Citadel basketball game. So yep. it should be a good weekend to be in Lexington. For sure. Um, appreciate, appreciate all you do. And, yeah, uh, thank you. Also, like to thank our, our Keto Club leadership members uh, for all their support uh, for my athletics.